What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James K. With me on the mic, as always, is your co-host, Christopher J. Pennant. Christopher, we're back. We're back. It's been a couple of weeks. So glad that we got a chance to do this, man. Um, how you holding up? Well, it's Labor Day weekend. Let's say that. Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, coming off of that loss yesterday to the New York Liberty with you know the sky holding in, like they kind of held their own a little bit with the Liberty through the first three quarters before things kind of fell apart, you know. Dude, they did they did more than they did more than that. They they withstood a bad shooting day from Courtney Williams. Uh, Kalia Copper looked like the Kalia Copper that is an MVP candidate. And they got a lot of great contributions from the bench. Like they were frustrating Brianna Stewart. Um, Sika Kone, dude. I mean, there's Sika. so much that happened. And then, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Robin Parks. I mean, Robin Parks has been so solid under Emre Vatansever's system so far this year. I mean, it's been really interesting to see her progression as well. But <laughs> I think if there's anything we've learned over the last couple of weeks, though, man, and honestly, this entire season, it's like this team just loves chaos and it does not help itself when it needs to help itself, but knows how to dig itself out of a hole when they're on the brink of being like just falling out of the playoffs in general. And I know that you were you saw the L.A. Sparks game last week with. You know, the the Sparks had a 76% chance of going to the playoffs, according to ESPN's database, before that game. And then the Sky were able to stave off the Sparks' late comeback. And, you know, we're right back in the same position before where we talked, I think it was like two weeks ago, where we talked just about how the Sky were just right below the Sparks right now in the playoff picture. They're one game back now after the Sparks beat. Uh, they won without Neka Gwumake yesterday who was a late scratch. So impressive. I guess I'm kind of curious, Chris, just where is your head at right now with three games left in this season? Um, for, for the Chicago sky, I mean, they've got three games left to push past the sparks and get that final playoff spot. And again, not deal with the optics of potentially losing a lottery pick for next year's draft and everything. I mean, I don't know. How do you just feel about their chances of making the playoffs at this point in time? They're not they're not especially great. I'll say that. The Sparks, I think, still have a slightly easier schedule um as they go down to it. Hmm. But you you just gotta win. You gotta focus on on the next game in front of you and take it one day at a time and you know have that next man up mentality. I'm just trying to see how many coaching cliches I could fit into that answer. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. To win yesterday would have been nice, but I don't know how many people expected it. Uh, the betting on DraftKings for the Sparks game that they had on Wednesday was, I think, like 71 or 72% of people were picking the sky, which, considering that the Sparks were ahead in the standings and playing at home and had won well, like six of their last eight, was pretty surprising or maybe just a testament to how many more people in Chicago were betting than in Los Angeles. Hmm. But that was a game they needed to win, and they won. And yesterday, they were playing like they were playing for their playoff lives. They just got washed away in a, in a, by a flood of, of three-pointers in the fourth quarter. And it, it never... 
I think if there's anything heartening, it never looked like the sky ran out of gas to me. Yeah. They just looked like they got overwhelmed by a very, very talented team that made a switch to their defensive scheme. Um, my guy, Steven Garner, co-host on CHGO, he said it. The the um the Liberty all of a sudden switched from drop coverage to hard hedges. And they really did, they really kind of divided up the court into like 60% between the the arc and the elbow. And they really ran that hard hedge on sideline pick and rolls. And when they trapped the sky, they trapped them. They harassed Dana Evans into another tough day. And they negated the effect that Marina Mabry had on the game from the first quarter really onwards. Yeah. And after that, they couldn't get anything going when they tried to get downhill to the rim. Uh, they had a couple of players on the ball. That was the tough, that was really the difficult thing about it. Those drives that this guy were able to get in the third quarter were negated and jump shots weren't falling that would have kept them close. And Courtney Vandersloot kept getting free for threes, which, God, didn't that suck? Didn't that suck to watch? I took my best friend to the game yesterday and I've shown him a couple of Courtney Vandersloot games. And every time, man, it's the same reaction that most of us have when we watch Courtney Vandersloot. It's like, what did she just do? How did she find that? Like, I don't know how she makes some of these passes, man. It's crazy. I would love to have Courtney Vandersloot goggles just to see what she sees on the basketball floor because she carved the sky up on the offensive end, whether it was. I don't know, just a catch and shoot three on the wing and she just drained everything yesterday or whether it was picking apart the defense. Um, we know what she does as a facilitator and she's the only player this year averaging over eight assists per game. Again, you know, this is something that she continuously does. And then also on the defensive end, she had six steals, you know, six steals. and just to do that in front of like at Wintrust Arena and just... Like, made it even more difficult for this guy to make it into the playoffs. It's just like salute kind of reminded everybody who she is, you know, and not that she needed to, she's been great this season. She but, really didn't need to, but she did it anyway, you know, and I don't think she's thinking about that at all, but like she really did, man. Oh, just put on a show yesterday. And you just look at how the sky, I think they only had like 15 turnovers or 15 assists yesterday. Yeah, and just how that team just crumbles when they don't take care of the ball because other teams just finish better than pretty much any other team in the WNBA in losses when it comes to points off of the you know turnovers. You know, um, they were missing Slut yesterday. She was with the Liberty carving the the sky up, and uh, it just kind of reminded you a little bit of what the sky have lost without having a pure point guard like Courtney Vandersloot. Yeah. Can't say more than that. You know, I mean, at the same time, like the offense has looked better at times this over the last few games. You know, it does seem like the team has played a little bit better in that in that sense. I mean, defensively, I think they're still a little bit lost. I know what the advanced ever say with it, but whenever whenever I just watch these games, I'm just I just don't love how the sky play necessarily on the defensive end. Um, I. I think yesterday, though, they would take the performance like through the first three quarters that they had. Like, you're able to limit this New York Liberty team, who's just been the best team in the WNBA over the last few weeks. Like, 
They just have. By every metric, the eye test, this team has really figured out its offense, especially. I think the sky would take the first three quarters that they played defensively against the Liberty. I mean, do you, I mean, what hope do you have for the sky right now? As they have, again, they got three more games. Um, I think a couple of like winnable games, especially when you look at the fever tomorrow, I guess when the show comes out, it'll be today. But what do you think the sky need to do? And what do you think they need to just build off of at this point? Well, you got to win. I mean, it's, it's simplifying. (laughs) It's simple. yeah, but you got to win. I said earlier in the show, I thought that the Sparks still had a slightly easier schedule. That was back a couple of weeks ago, the information that was going off of in my head. They play the Sun, the Liberty, and the Fever. So they've got a tough road to hoe. They've got to make sure they win at least two of those three, if not all three. And, I mean, we saw what the Liberty did. They're still pushing for that. Um, said it on the, I said it on the other show, so I'm going to do it here. Liberty pushing for that number one spot. They've got to try and get it. They, <laughs> they, they, it's not necessarily for them to win a, a championship. And I think a few of the players on that roster know that. Brianna Stewart, Courtney Vandersloot. But, you know, Sabrina hasn't won. John Quell hasn't won. Come achingly close to winning, but hasn't won yet. True. And it would be a statement for them to get the number one seed over the Las Vegas Aces, who are about as close to stumbling right now as they have been all season. So the Sparks have to go through them. They have to go through a Connecticut team that's faltered, but is still strong. And they have to go through a fever team that was mathematically eliminated yesterday, but has more than doubled their win total from last season and is young and hungry, is looking towards next year, but wants to finish on a high note. If they can get 15 or six, if they can get 15 wins out of that roster, their fans are going to feel great. They won 40% of their games. And the Sky have to go through that team too, which is why I'm not altogether like convinced about tomorrow, about today's game. Then you have to beat that Minnesota boogeyman on Friday before mm-hmm. finishing up against Connecticut. The only possible rest that they could get is that by then, Connecticut's playoff places will have been decided and they would rest what they have on their starting group, which to be fair, I think they could use Um, They could use some kind of rest for Alyssa Thomas. They could use some kind of rest for Dewana Bonner. You know, she's been playing the best. She's been playing some of the best basketball of her career once she got to Connecticut. Absolutely. But she's still, what, 36? Yeah, she's up there. She's Candace's draft, right? I think so, yeah. So anytime you can get for her to rest her legs, especially before a playoff run, you want to take it. So that would be the only saving grace that the sky would get on the last game of the season, which they would need to get in the playoffs. But you have to pick two or three wins, most likely three wins out of Indiana, Minnesota, and Connecticut. And the sky is three and 15 against their conference this year, three and 15. Two of those last two, five, three games are against conference opponents. And the other one is against a team that they have not beaten yet this year. Oh, well, sorry. My fault. They beat Minnesota opening night when Cheryl Reeve was playing possum. And she <laughs> always does. And this guy had a different coach. <laughs> you know, like they had a different head coach at that point. I mean. And, and we haven't even talked about Alana Smith and concussion protocol. I mean, that's the, the part that I am a little bit nervous about for this guy at this point. And. I think Minnesota is actually much more winnable than the Fever. 
I would be a little concerned about the fever, just given their offensive firepower over the last few games. I mean, they've been one of the best offensive teams in the league from a metric standpoint. You look at how, I mean, just what Alyssa Smith has done and Kelsey Mitchell, like, oh, yeah. I have loved their chemistry. Um, I'm just curious to see how the sky really go up against those younger post players. I mean, again, man, like they did such a good job against John Quill Jones yesterday. Um, mm -hmm. Even there's no such thing as stopping Brianna Stewart. There's very few humans on planet earth that can do that. Maybe there's some aliens out there. I'm not familiar with how uh, they work biologically in terms of length and everything, <laughs> length and quickness. But I only know is that there's few few humans on earth that can stop Brianna Stewart from scoring the basketball and the sky at one point. I mean, I think they, they had her at like eight for 18 from the field. Like, I think you kind of take Brianna Stewart shooting under 50% from the field um, at one point during that game. And I'm just curious to see how they go, like how they manage Aaliyah Boston and Alyssa Smith. But I think Minnesota is very winnable. Like that's a team that is scuffling on the defensive end. And I know they're they've been trending upwards and they've got it, you know, they got their playoff spot and everything, but I just haven't loved what I've seen from them defensively over the last few games. And uh I think this guy can win that one. I think the Sun game is gonna be that uh I maybe they do and maybe the Sun do end up resting their players, but I think there's a part of them that probably wants to play spoiler, right? I mean, wouldn't you want to do that if you're facing I mean, I know that the rivalry isn't there, you know, there's a lot of players that are not on that sky team anymore that tasted that defeat and also victory from 2021 and 2022. But I don't know if I was the sun, I would, <laughs> I, I wouldn't lean off the gas pedal at all against this guy after just given the history between the two teams. I like where your head's at as a future assistant coach. I want, I want that for you, but I, I really think that uh, maybe, maybe some of it's just me hoping that Connecticut does rest their starters, but they they've slowed down a bit in this like latter third of the season and i i'm fairly sure that they they're gonna hold that third spot in the playoffs and that means they'd be playing is it is it minnesota um they, they'd be third and they'd be playing number six. Oh, oh sorry atlanta if, yeah if atlanta holds that three spot uh washington they'd be playing like atlanta or washington so, I mean, you got to go up against a couple of depleted teams that are like falling back in a three-game series, but it's still a three-game series, and mm -hmm. you've got Ryan Howard in one hand, along with Cheyenne Parker, or Elena Deladon in the other hand, and Brittany Sykes, and you know, as as tough as it's been for Washington, as as difficult as it's been, is is much as you would have liked to see Eric squeeze a few more wins out of what he had, it's still a three-game series where if you lose game one, you're behind the eight ball and you have to win two straight. So I think at that point, you really try to get some, some wind back for your starting five or your main group of like seven core contributors. You know, Dijon, Dijon Carrington, still young, can handle it. Um, even I think even Tiffany Hayes still young can handle it to some degree. The list Tiffany Hayes zero minutes. <laughs> if there's <laughs> any chance, I mean she's someone that's been injury prone in the past. I I just I wouldn't put her. Wouldn't, okay, you know. I'm oh just, yeah. 
I would get like as much as I would want to like maybe play Alyssa Thomas. But even then, the the Sun have not been able to take Alyssa Thomas off the floor this season without completely oh. collapsing into themselves. Did you see Nikias Duncan's tweet? Um, like, I don't know. I was just doing it for my own research for MVP and saw the the split. I'm assuming he put the splits of mi- minutes on versus minutes off. <laughs> oh, he simplified. Uh, I want to find it just so I can read it verbatim because it was incredible. Also, while you look for it, I'm just going to put this out there. I would much rather face the Dream, who are just reeling right now, versus an experienced Washington team who, again, they've also kind of fallen apart. And I hope Christy Tolliver is doing okay after she collapsed to the ground yesterday. I think it was a non-contact, oh. non-contact injury. I'd rather face the Atlanta Dream, who... Do not have a deep bench. I have not really loved what they've done from a bench production standpoint. And just don't give me just don't give me a, a talented, experienced Mystics team, man. I just feel like they could play spoiler in the first round. I'm I curious. feel that. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. It's I mean, who I, I just saw his the um injury report for yesterday, and I think Lasia Clarendon was on the injury report for the Sparks, but she played. No, okay, she was she wasn't on it, but no, no Nia Cloudon. Lexi Brown is out for the season. Shanae's still out with a foot injury, and Neca was out with the injury, and they still ended up winning. I mean, that, I guess that speaks to the Mystics, but I like you still have to win. You you pretty much have to go for game one. You have to go for the throat in game one in a three game series, you know, until the until the expansion and um, more. Eyes on the league. We're still going to have that three-game first-game series, I think, for a couple years. So you got to win game one if you're um, if you're Connecticut. And I think that's just the thing about you, you got to rest the starters when you can. I get that. And also the Mystics, better road team. They've been a home team this year. So I totally get that, too. Like, uh, I don't know, man. I'm... I'm fascinated by what the first round is going to be because i could also see dallas getting upset by minnesota you know it's just it's one of those years where i could see some upsets happening in the middle um, I, I do think the, the liberty and aces are just going to bulldoze whoever they face in the first round um i know the mystics are again like i said they're a tough out they would face the liberty in this scenario but i still feel pretty confident where uh the, the two top teams are and them I just see them going to the finals, man. I just, I have a hard time seeing anyone other than New York or Las Vegas being the ones at the end here, being the final two, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, Everybody's did, kind of shaking out towards the middle. I did find that tweet. I can't wait. What did, uh, what did Nikaya say? The Sun have only played 113 minutes without Alyssa Thomas this season. <laughs> in, 30, <laughs> in 35 games. That was on August 30th. What the oh my god. I mean that doesn't surprise me from what uh from what I was looking at just like a week ago. It's just um the not to only <laughs> that's just still bouncing in my head right now. That's that's a crazy stat. And I think that's probably I don't think that she's in a, in the top two in terms of MVP discussion anymore. Like I just what's Stewie and well, that would make like, her MVP for me, like just based on that. <laughs> like, yeah, that's literally the most valuable you could possibly be to your team. I think people kind of forgot though, like how much of a backstop Brianna Stewart was at the beginning of this Liberty season. Like, I feel like it could have just, they easily could have 
plummeted to the bottom as they couldn't feel. I mean, they just didn't have that chemistry. I think Courtney, uh, Courtney Vanderslow even mentioned it yesterday. Like it took them a while to find the chemistry. And now they're there and the Liberty are 30 and seven, despite not finding it until after the all-star break. And that's just because Brianna Stewart is the, she is a backstop for any team that she is on. And well, if you have the best player on the floor, on a given night like she is most of the time you know i mean i i kind of am starting to lean towards her for mvp quite honestly which i didn't think i would be saying um i don't know it's just it's just so hard not to give her or asia the the nod there because again they're both backstops i mean without candace too you gotta there's so many things to factor in with the mvp discussion but um i i want to say i know we're moving on i i want to this is interesting to me because we were talking about Alana Smith earlier and talking with Steven and just watching games. You can see how much she uh, frustrated Brianna Stewart in those first two games that the sky played, which were decided by uh, a total of five points. And even then, like she was frustrated when she had to go up against um, Morgan did what she could. And then Robin Parks came in and was playing fairly solid. I think she she actually forced a she jumped in front for a steal and a breakout, and she got around a screen either on her or John Quell, which pretty much forced a a second option difficult pass. This is like the second quarter when the sky were starting to put together and just keeping the game close, and then we. Again, see Kakone, man, like box Brianna out for a rebound and then beat her down the floor for a layup. <laughs> and I think that was the last leap the sky had. It was like, you know, it's a, when Sika shot that three in the second quarter, I'm getting off track. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> she looked good. But yeah. She looked very good. But I think what it comes to is like Brianna Stewart was frustrated. She's talking to officials. In all four of these games, she did not have a good time. Here's her numbers from those games. 26 and 14 yesterday. 21 and 12 and 6. Um, when was that? Uh, on the 11th. 20, 11 and 4 in that um, incredible comeback in June. And 19, 11 and 5. Plus that game-winning basket in the first game of the season on the 2nd. So in none of those games that she averaged less than a 20, 2010 double-double, she had at least five, at least uh, four assists in every one of them, charted one steal in every game, and charted at least one block in every game. And yet it was still very much, you could tell she was frustrated. And none of those games were necessarily cheap. The most she ever shot was seven free throws. I mean, man, she's one of one. She's really incredible. Like, I... Someone asked me a few months back, like, who's is there any player in NBA history that reminds you of Kevin Durant? And I'm like, there's no one in NBA history that reminds me of Kevin Durant. There's only one person that reminds me of Kevin Durant, and that's freaking Brianna Stewart, just of how what she's able to do on a night to night basis and with being able to dial it in from long range and just how simple the game is for her. Um, and it's not to take any credit away from the work that she puts in, but it's just, it's automatic when she shoots in the low post and every shot she takes, everyone expects it to go in. I mean, she's, she's something else, but um, 
let's talk a little bit about some stuff that's happening outside because I'm going to am... send you a Wikipedia on Connie Hawkins, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I'll take a look at that later. That's, uh, that's some, that's some old head shit, but I think if there's anybody who was like the prototype for all of these guys now, it, it was probably that dude. That's probably the, the only one. Okay. I, I'll, uh, I'll take a look at Mr. Connie Hawkins. That's, a, that's such a, old dude name but um i know right <laughs> um but <laughs> on another note uh you know the chicago sun times they did report that this guy have spoken with former five-time WNBA all-star and former assistant coach of the new orleans pelicans Teresa witherspoon about becoming their next head coach and they also spoke with memphis grizzlies assistant coach sanya raman and this guy Kind of in that same report, they kind of mentioned how they haven't decided whether they're going to split the GM and coaching head coaching role into two different roles, which is something I think a lot of people have been wanting to see from the sky over the last, I would say the last two years would be the most we've heard about it in terms of people being like, okay, this probably is something that we should see. Let's just start here, Chris. How big of a deal would it be? If the sky were to land one of these bigger names like a Teresa Witherspoon and even someone like Sonia Rahman, who played four years at Tufts, shout out to Tufts where my sibling went. Um, And someone who's just so experienced, like a Rahman or someone like Teresa Witherspoon, how big of a deal would it be if they landed people like that? It would be big. I think the Teresa Witherspoon um, hire would get asses in the seats. First and foremost, yeah. WNBA fans know her. NBA fans know her. Um, so she's a well-known commodity. And I think it would be something that would get people in the door. Yeah. Attendance has not been what it was. It's not going to be what it was uh, from the last two years before when you were a championship team or competing for a championship. So people are smart, especially in Chicago. Basketball fans understand what they're watching. And so as as many highs and as much, I think, determinedness and doggedness as this team has had, it hasn't necessarily equated to attendance. You can tell watching on TV or being in the building. It's not the same. So Teresa Weatherspoon would be a name that would generate some more buzz in addition to what they've already done this year in terms of adding new ownership and in the offseason, primarily your first job is to keep uh, Kalia Copper on the roster. So bringing in Teresa Weatherspoon, I think, would be one part of that if you do it. Um, I'm not sure if it would be part A or part B, whether you go for keeping Cop first or whether you go for getting the coaching. Looking at looking at Sonia Rama and uh, her tenure, I think just looking at it, she would be an interesting, interesting, interesting hire and somebody that the sky would really like. Uh, she went to Tufts, which means she's smart. Um, she coached at MIT, again, smart. And she has her JD from Boston College, so smart. <laughs> and she worked for <laughs> Fidelity. And if I remember right, somebody in the sky ownership group is or was high up at Fidelity Investments. I, I would have to check, but I that... That seems very familiar. I don't think it was Nadia Rawlinson, but I feel like somebody in the Sky ownership group uh, was with Fidelity at one point or another. 
So there's some known commodity there. Also, she has the most wins in MIT history. And, you know, even if you're playing in an NAIA um, level, that means something. You're, you are a quality coach who's been able to figure it out and make a team that, you know, MIT, you don't think of them for athletics. You think of them for designing those wild-ass dogs at Boston Robotics. So <laughs> she, she was good enough to do that. She was good enough to um, do well at Wellesley. And then she got brought on by the Memphis Grizzlies. I think there's something to be said, even in this day and age when people's eyes and hearts and minds are more open for somebody like Sonia, an Indian American woman who played basketball at a small, you know, fairly small in terms of athletics college to be recognized by a National Basketball Association team. And I know we're on the WNBA podcast, but I think that means something, even in an um, organization that is as forward-thinking as the Grizzlies is with Rich Cho and Taylor Jenkins. I think that talk, that says a lot about what she can do, what she would be able to do as a coach. So it's good that the Sky are not just looking for big names yeah. like a Teresa Weatherspoon. It's good that they're doing their due diligence and research and trying to find a coach that would be able to come in, that they believe would be able to come in, develop, and win. I'm with you on that. So I'm glad you brought up Kalia Copper and extending her versus bringing in Teresa Weatherspoon or bringing in any head coach. You know, like I do think if the iron is hot to, to hire someone like Teresa Weatherspoon, I think you do it now without waiting till January to extend Kalia Copper because, again, she's someone that is not going to sign an extension with this guy at the deadline that's in place now, which I believe is on September 11th. I think that um, Kalia told the Sun-Times that she's going to test free agency, and while Chicago is like a second home to her, I think she's just going to test the waters there. And that's why I kind of think if you're this guy, you kind of have to move forward with, trying to find someone so that you can sell Kalia Copper on the vision of what your team can be. And I even think about someone like Courtney Vandersloot, right, who talked about how it wasn't really saying anything about the sky necessarily, but she said that one of the things that stood out to her about the New York Liberty when she signed with them is that there was a clear vision for what they were going for and what the future could look like if she was a part of that organization. And that does not necessarily mean that this guy didn't have that as well. It just meant that's what it looked like for the Liberty. And I think when you go back and when you go to make the pitch to Ka, you got to sell her on a vision of what, of where the franchise is going to go. And even as murky as that can be, having someone like a big name, like a Teresa Weatherspoon, who can probably adapt as well from being able to plan for having Kalia Copper or not having her as well and still probably being able to figure things out. I just think it's important to, before all of these teams are able to go after someone like Teresa Weatherspoon, potentially, maybe there, maybe there are some positions out there that open up and now the Sky have to compete against someone, like to compete against some other teams that might be vying for a head coach of her caliber. If you have a chance to lock her in now before that January extension period, I think you got to go ahead and do that. But what do you think? Do you think the sky are, it's been great to see that they've been pushed, like they've stepped on the gas pedal a little bit in terms of 
this coaching surge, they're, they're talking with people. I mean, I'm curious what that means for everybody, the Tonsiver as well. But um, I mean, do, do, you, do you think that, that they should try to strike while the iron is hot? Or do you think they take a step back and kind of evaluate things in the offseason when all the emotions of this roller coaster season kind of subside a little bit? So you said gas pedal, and I immediately thought of the club track. And now you off my train of thought. No, I'm kidding. They've got to. I I don't want to. I don't want to go for the like the shiny. And this is not to discount Teresa Weatherspoon. I don't want them to to go for the shiny name, you know, immediately. But you are up against it because re-signing Ka. I think the head coach that comes in has a lot to do with that. She knows who Teresa Weatherspoon is because she grew up watching her. Sonia Raman isn't necessarily the same tier of name, both for your desired free agent and your fan base. As, as that said, I think I, I like, you know, really diving deep in and seeing what this could do because the Grizzlies are an organization that has intrigued me for the past few years. They have been able to get a lot of winning done in an incredibly small market, and they've been able to get uh, a fan base on a fan base on their side. Who every pretty much every city that is, you know, under six hundred thousand people, if they get a professional major, if they get a major professional sports team in their city, they're like hell yeah. But I think what you've seen from Grizzlies fans is very 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 hardcore diehard type of type of fandom and we've seen teams who can win and not get that same level of commitment <clears throat> miami um so and especially knowing that sonia was like looking her up she was involved in scouting player development and analytics and as much as the grizzlies did kind of crash out the last two years that's not on her and you look at the players that they have developed who are guys that you might have heard of in college other than John and Jaron, you know, Jaron Jackson, but Desmond Bain, Jake LaRavia, John Conchar, even uh, Brandon Clark and Zaire Williams. Like these are guys that are kind of unsung. Um, even, even Santi Aldama has cracked their starting lineup and looked like a quality NBA player. Some of that has Things, uh, things that the sky have not been able to had not been able to do over the past couple of years, which we've talked about extensively in terms of James Wade's reluctance and resistance to going into the college draft. Mm-hmm. This is something that you could get from a head coach and even your coaching staff who would be able to develop talent and do what Chicago has only been very recently been able to do, develop, nurture, and keep that talent. Really, really something that they it's incumbent upon. And this is something that not only, you know, as, as much as Kai is one and one and one and priority number one this season, you've still got other free agents on the roster mm-hmm. and other free agents in the future who are looking at this too. Like, who are they going for? Who are they hiring? And as much as that could go for, well, why didn't they hire Teaspoon? I know Teaspoon. I love Teaspoon. I've seen her play. I've seen her coach in college. Um, that could also go for it's like, well, who do you who do you bring in? It's it's a difficult decision. As fans and 
people that analyze the game, it's just you grow attached to familiarity because it's comfortable. Familiarity is comfortable. Even I don't know. I I think we we've seen time and time again, man, where a fan base will be rooting so hard to bring in that one player or that one coach because they've become attached to them and they have a background with them or again that familiarity and then someone new comes in and you end up developing that familiarity with them and you just end up being like oh yeah of course we hired x person like i do think that you probably can't go wrong with anyone i mean i'm sure who are the sky having there's going to be a lot of candidates that are that i've been waiting for an opportunity like the one that this guy can present and there's, there's just so many options at this point that this guy will will be able to find someone to t- take the mantle of i hope it's just head coach though because I just I look, I don't have like an in, like a vesting interest here in how this guy do. Um, I'm not a fan of the team, but like when I look at how people are able to handle both the GM and head coach roles, it just there's not a lot of history there where there's a lot of success that comes out of one person occupying both roles. And I think if especially if I'm teaspoon, I would definitely be like, I just want to be the head coach because there's already enough responsibilities that come with that. And if you were going to to hire someone like her and put her in that role, she's also, again, I don't want to mention the NBA too much, but she also is someone that developed a good relationship with a superstar or someone that can be a superstar in Zion Williamson. And she has that familiarity being able to communicate with both stars and people that are not considered stars. And I think that's something that this guy should value, especially in a league that are seeing more and more people like starting to increase their stock around the league and if you have someone if you bring in teaspoon before like at the end of the season you know like after i don't know like what i, I think emory vaton contract does end this year if i'm not mistaken like i do think that if you're able to bring in Teresa witherspoon immediately or someone like Asonia Rahman, you're able to get in kalia copper's ear earlier and then you're able to sell that message, right? You got to sell that message of what things are going to look like. And I think that's probably the, the case for bringing in someone immediately to sell the vision. And I'm just curious to see how this guy navigate this whole process. I, I would say, though, that they if they want to be taken seriously, if they want to be elevated to where... <laughs> if they want to be elevated amongst all these other teams in the W that, you know... Um, they can't offer what this guy can offer like in a bigger market. You probably got to separate the two roles. You just have to separate GM and head coach. If you're already behind the eight ball in terms of what you can offer in terms of resources, there's other, you got to build your argument the best that, that what you can do. Like the, the whole thing with the practice facility, they got a lease that's extending for multiple years, right? I think it's till like 2025, 2026. Okay. You can't offer that right now. What else can you offer? Maybe someone like Teresa Withers, like, you know, Weatherspoon, right? I think that's when you, you have to start elevating yourself in the ways that you can elevate yourself and to not split the roles, I think would be the most. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice about this. Like, I do think you would be. This, you... Isn't, a nice, this isn't a nice podcast anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're too bitter, bro. We're too bitter. No, I'm just you you don't have to go out. You don't have to, to roll out to the suburbs on a regular basis anymore. You don't have to answer to the. um unseen uh uh dark snoke overlords you know so uh hey, i'm not i'm not saying anything your mind. about it 
I'm not saying anything about it. Go ahead and speak your mind. I'll say this, though. It it would be super dumb. I'll say it. It would be... be, By separating the two roles, you're showing that you're taking the, the right step in the right direction, okay, by doing that. Versus doing something that you've again not not adding those resources or spending the money, um, and doing something very typical like that. I'll just say it that way. Send a message to Kalia Copper, whoever the next head coach is, whoever the free agents in twenty twenty eight are. Take the right steps so that there's a history of you taking the right steps so that you have that reputation going into whatever free agency period comes next, whether that's this upcoming one this year or again years down the line. Just you got to show that you're taking those steps of being a franchise that can be as good as the Las Vegas Aces or New York Liberty. If you're able to continue to build up your the revenue that they've been able to, and again, the like ownership expanding as well. I just I can't say how important it is for them to do that, and that's by taking the first right step in the right direction. Which is, I said, the first step would actually be what they've done with ownership and selling their stakes and giving them more resources, but continue to make those steps is all I'm going to say. Um, Chris, final thoughts before we uh, end the show. I agree with that. I'm wondering, I'm honestly wondering, you know, if they, if they go for it because of cost, because, you know, as, as we've all seen over the last year, two years, Employers don't necessarily want to pay wages when they can avoid doing so. So are this guy willing to split that and pay two people? I, I think at the end of the day, it will come down to that rather than necessarily, even with this, even with the fact that they have made strides to become a, a more well-rounded franchise. I think it will come down to cost at the end of the day. And if you own a sports team and that's a problem, get out. I know the WNBA is a unique situation, but man, its stock is rising. And if I'm honestly, if you you could probably sell a WNBA team now and gain back what you paid for it. Um if I had to guess, I'm not a business person, but like we, we see like what these valuations are for these WNBA franchises. And uh, man, if you're not willing to spend the money, I don't know, maybe that's uh, just like the, the competitor in me. Just get out, get out. Cause there's other people that are going to be, especially now where the league is, is trending upwards, get out and sell it off. There's other people that are going to be there that do want to elevate the franchise. So and that's not even just a sky thing, you know, like there's there's other thing, other teams and franchises you can point to and everything. But that's we could go down the biggest rabbit hole <laughs> going into that. Discussion. <laughs> so, um, you know, Chris, thanks for taking some time off on your Labor Day to do some labor with me. And uh, no, I don't got no job, man. I, all my all my time is time off. <laughs> hey, man, You're so nice. It's what? You're so nice, man. <laughs> no, um, hey, ask the sky. Maybe I'm not. You know, um, but <laughs> oh man, the things. Uh, you know what? We'll save it for the the series finale. You know, um, no, but Chris, glad that we got a chance to do this, and we appreciate everyone who tuned into today's episode. If you want to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the skyhookmailbag at gmail.com. 
And if you want to find us outside of audio form, you can do so by checking out our link tree. So yeah, thanks for taking an hour to sit and listen to us idiots talk and uh, we appreciate you. And until next time.